Amen. So we are in our second week of our new series on prayer called Teach Us to Pray. And actually the title of the series comes from this passage when the disciples asked Jesus, Lord, teach us to pray. Um, so I thought it was uh, a good, good title for the series. Um, but this is probably the most famous or popular prayer. If, if you were to ask someone, um, what, what prayers do you know from the Bible? Or what's the Lord's Prayer? Most people can recite or say at least part of it. Um, but this is actually one of two um, places in the Gospels where the Lord's Prayer is spoken out. And both uh, the other version is in Matthew chapter 6. And this is in Luke 11, 1 through 13. Um, and there, there's differences between the two. This one being the more simple one. Um, but we're going we're gonna to get into this. In verse 1, it starts off, One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus was praying in a certain place. What does this tell us? It tells me that Jesus prayed. Jesus prayed all the time. Jesus prayed all the time. Um, and we know this because he was praying in a certain place. And usually in the Gospels, when there's something that happens, um, it's delineated or it's, it's kind of set apart by saying it was, it was on the Passover when Jesus went into the temple. Or it was a week before this feast or this, this celebration. But here, it's, it's ambiguous, right? It's just a certain place on one day. One day Jesus goes, right? And I think the ambiguity is, is here on purpose. Because it serves to tell us that Jesus prayed all the time. It, and it didn't matter where Jesus was. He could have been on a mountain. He could have been on the road. He could have been sleeping, camping out with his disciples around the fire, eating in the wilderness, in the woods, in his closet, on the roof of a guest home. Jesus prayed in a certain place on a day, right? And it didn't say that he was in the tabernacle on the Sabbath praying. But it said in a cert, on, a certain, on a certain day in a certain place. So when the disciples observe him on this day, what are they observing? They're observing someone who prays all the time. Who makes it a habit of praying. Whose life is saturated with prayer. And I think this is what they're seeing on a day-to-day -day basis when they ask, teach us how to pray. They see Jesus on his knees, kneeling and praying. They see Jesus stopping, right, going to, in the midst of ministry, in the midst of being surrounded um, by the public, by crowds of people, him going away to a secret place, to a place of solitude, or going away to the wilderness to pray. They're watching a person of prayer. And they're like, we want that in our lives. We want to be like Jesus. And so they want, I think behind this is they want to become prayer people, people of prayer. And they want to be like John's disciples. Can you teach us how to pray like John's disciples teach like, like John teaches his disciples. Is there something about their, their, you know, when Jesus calls the disciples to him, 
they're fisher, they're fishermen, they're tax collectors, they're everyday normal people. They're not like spiritual giants. They're not from the temple system. They're not coming from the synagogue. They're just everyday people. And they're learning to be disciples of Jesus and follow in this way. And they want to grow. They want to grow as disciples and they don't know how. And so they're saying, teach us, rabbi. And, and back in those days, rabbis actually would teach uh, their disciples um, kind of a, a coined prayer, like a memorized prayer um, that was specific to them. And they would teach um, their disciples that. And so when the disciples repeated that, people would be, oh, that's the prayer of rabbi so-and-so's. And so perhaps some commentators say this kind of form of this Lord's prayer is a form of that, a rabbi's prayer that belongs to Jesus, that's coined by Jesus. Um, and so when his disciples recite it, they're saying, we're disciples of Jesus, the rabbi Jesus, and this is his prayer, this is our prayer. Um, so they want to learn. People only catch you praying if you do it a lot, right? And I kind of, you know, I kind of, this is, a, this is kind of a confession repentance time. But there are times when uh, it's late at night and uh, my wife wakes up, maybe she needs to go get a glass of water, and I'm watching TV or something or on the laptop late at night, and I hear her coming, and I'm like, oh, she's going to come into the room, so I'm going to jump on my knees and pretend I'm praying. Because then she'll think, whoa, what a man of prayer, right? Or if she comes in and I'm actually sleeping late at night, I'll be like, I'll get up and be like this, right? And she'll be like, whoa, I married such an awesome man, right? A man of prayer. Uh, and that's the only way I can get people to know that I'm a person of prayer, right? To start pretending I'm praying when people are watching me. That, or if you want people to know or catch you in prayer, just be a person who prays all the time, right? Don't fake, don't create those situations, right? Just pray all the time. And I think that's the case with Jesus. He's a, he was a man of prayer, and his disciples observed this, and they want to be like him. They want to emulate him. Um, secondly, disciples see this, and they want to emulate him. And they say, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. What really were the disciples asking Jesus on that one day in that certain place? They admired Jesus. They looked up to him. They wanted to be like him. They also wanted to be like John's disciples, who perhaps were more developed than them, maybe ahead of being disciples, of the great rabbi game than them. I wonder if there was a different way to look at what they were really asking when they asked, Lord, teach us to pray. Sometimes we traditionally look at the Lord's Prayer and we say, oh, this is how we should pray. This is what we should say because the disciples were asking, what should we say when we pray? And so Jesus said, this then is how you should pray, right? And so it must be some model or, arch, you know, archetype of th this is like the ultimate prayer. When you're praying and you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to say, you should say this. 
But I think I see it a different way. Instead of them saying, Lord, teach us what to say when we pray, maybe they're asking, teach us to pray like you. Teach us to pray without ceasing, to saturate our lives with prayer, to make our hours and minutes an extended act of prayer like yours. Uh, one writer named Scott Posey writes, what the, what the disciples, they were inquiring after was how they could, in imitation of their master, turn the entirety of their lives into an act of prayer. The same as they observed was the case for Jesus himself. Because we're seeing you pray a lot, Jesus, at any time, in any place you pray, Lord, teach us how to pray in the same way without ceasing. You see the difference there? Not teach us what to pray, but teach us how to pray like you, to be people of prayer. And ultimately, Lord, teach us to pray in the Holy Spirit. Are you with me, church? Is it making sense? That changes everything, right? That changes everything. Because if you think about the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For what? For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. And then what? Amen. Right? And actually, if you look in Matthew, and you look at this in Luke, in your versions of the Bible, that last part, for thine is the kingdom, power, and glory forever, amen, it won't be there. Right? That little section is only in the Greek manuscripts in the Matthew passage. And in most modern contemporary translations, it's not even there. People, they say rabbis added that just to like kind of bring closure, right? To be like, oh, now this is a prayer. And I think in, in the Catholic tradition and in our church tradition, we pray it because this is how we should pray. And when we pray, we always say, in your, we end it with amen, right? So we need to have that kind of closure. But when Jesus spoke it to the disciples, especially here in Luke, it's just abrupt, right? It ends abruptly. It's a, he leaves them hanging. It's not a prayer like we pray. Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us, and lead us not to any temptation. And, and we pray all these things in the name of yours truly. Right? He doesn't say that. Amen. Right? It's just, and lead us not into temptation. So if we were to break down the prayer itself, the first thing we notice is how simple it is. Right? Really simple. God, your name is holy. Your kingdom come. Give us food each day. And forgive us as we forgive people. And don't let us stumble. That's it. Not even an amen. Not even a closing. Very simple. And in fact, this kind of example that Jesus gives in Luke is even more simple than the Mark one, right? It is, for instance, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. 
In the Matthew version, it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's more, there's more embellishment there. Give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our debts, debts as we forgive those who debt against us. And, lead, and this one just says, lead us not in temptation, but deliver, and, but in the Matthew passage, it's, but deliver us from evil, right? There's, there's just less, it's more simple and abridged in the Luke passage. Then you could also say, if we were to observe this prayer even further, that there's a movement inward from, this, from the enormously large, universal, cosmic thing. Our Father, holy is your name. Just big, right? Bird's eye view. To your kingdom come, right? But there's this movement. In saying your kingdom come, it's still big. It's still this epic thing. But the epic, the godness, God's kingdom is moving and coming. Come to us. So you have a movement of incarnation. Your kingdom come as it is in heaven into earth to be among us, to be around us, to surround us. And then it moves even further in, right? From the large and the cosmic to the small and personal. Our very tangible, fleshly human needs. And what is more basic and human than eating, right? Give us this day our daily bread. We're zooming in to our lives in the world. From God's holy name to his kingdom, coming into earth to our lives, to our very tangible needs, food, provision, and finally, relationships, our relationships with one another. There's a confession, and for, it's talking about confession and the forgiveness of sins and reconciliation with neighbor, uh, with an ask for continued protection against sin, against stumbling, right? From the cosmic to the personal. Now you can imagine that the disciples after Jesus, you know, teaches them how to pray, being kind of disappointed, right? We wanted some, we wanted an intensive class, like a week-long, 24-7 demonstration of how to pray. We want you to mentor us in prayer, and we want you to go down deep, like give us the keystone of prayer, the foundations of prayer. Give us like the meat of prayer. That's it? I want my money back. What kind of rabbi are you? Right? They wanted their teacher, their leader, to give them the Khan Academy or the TED Talk of Prayer. To offer them the, the key to prayer guru-ness. The irony is that that, that was Jesus, what Jesus was doing. What is this prayer missing? And I mentioned this. It's missing the end, right? It's missing the ending. And we see this a lot of times in Jesus' interactions with people and in his parables, that Jesus oftentimes leaves the story hanging or leaves the moment hanging, right? He doesn't end it because in ending it, things abruptly, there's the implicit question, 
or kind of the suggestion or invitation to what? Respond. What are you going to do? The ball is in your court. The tennis ball is in your court. Are you going to hit it back? Right? So this prayer is hanging. And the implication is to what comes after. Right? And I think what Jesus is doing is he's giving the disciples the baby step. Right? The simplest form of prayer is this baby step. And you need to take those baby steps. And when you do it, oh, take those steps over and over and over again, you start to be a good walker. And when you keep walking and walking and walking over again, you start to jog. And then you start to run. And then you become a fast runner, a coordinated runner, a graceful runner. And when you're so used to running that you don't have to think about it, then you can dance and run. And you can spin and run. And you can be elevate and decide in the air. Right? Like a great athlete. And last week I told the story of being a, my time in the U.S. Postal Service, being a, when I was a mail carrier. And uh, I think the reason why these stories are coming back during our prayer series is because that time in my life was a significant time in developing my prayer life. Because I had a lot of hours in the street alone delivering mail. And what do I do? I pray. I also listened to my, I was taking seminaries, so I listened to Greek declensions in my headphones while delivering mail. Uh, but uh, I would pray. And sometimes the only, what I would, one of the things I would practice was to actually take this, uh, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and repeat it over and over and over again under my breath while delivering the mail. And you can imagine for six hours a day, six days a week, saying, your kingdom come, your will be done. 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 That those, those simple phrases begin to sink into my heart. And the, and the, the roots of the spirit would, would take root Right? And those prayers would be evolve in my thoughts and in my heart into larger prayers, right? Into, into un, unspeakable prayers. Prayers that I didn't know how to articulate or even say, right? But they were prayers that coming from deep within. But externally, I'm like, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And even the trite little things that were in my mind like, just, I want this. It's cold outside, right? Begin to evolve into deeper prayers. Like, how can I participate in your kingdom come? Your will be done. What are you doing with my life, God? I, I'm in seminary. It's after these nine years in campus ministry. I'm in transition. What's next? I don't know. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. I feel like a loser. I feel like I don't know where I'm going in life. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Are you with me? And I see this, this, this kind of short prayer that Jesus gives his disciples as that, like this simple prayer to repeat, to repeat, 
and to repeat. If you want to know how to pray unceasingly and to become a prayer person like me who prays all the time and doesn't get bored and doesn't run out of things to say, then start with this little baby step. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And isn't that how people learn how to build habits? Every time, every year, I was like, I'm going to lose weight. You know, New Year's was I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get more toned in my muscles and, like, go and work out and run. I, I go to the gym, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to lift 200 pounds. I'm going to, like, lift, like, the heaviest and do, like, 10 reps, right, and do, like, five sets of those and do it every day, right? What happens after the first day? Right? You get so sore, you're like, I can't move. Okay, forget working out. Right? We want to do the epic, and we want the epic to happen now. But the only way that you build habits, you don't will yourself to be something new. Right? You can't just say, I'm going to be a prayer warrior. Teach us how to pray like you, Jesus. Right now. Right? Jesus is like, no, take the, here, take the 20 pounds, right, and just like, Take the lightweight and just work on it, right? And you work on it day to day, hour after hour. Start putting more weights on. Yeah, yeah, more weights. Yeah, yeah. One, that's good because it's something that you can chew, right? If you take too big of a bite from what you can chew, you're going to choke. If you take a small bite, oh, it's good. You chew, swallow, you take another bite. Are you with me, church? And so this is what I see Jesus doing is keep praying simply, but keep doing it. And if you don't know what to pray for, pray this and do it over and over again. And you'll grow as people of prayer. You'll grow in praying unceasingly. So what makes me think it's about praying without ceasing? Let's look further. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, Don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of, because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. Jesus is saying, even your best friend, when they're asleep and tired, is not going to help you out. They're going to be annoyed by you if you come at 2 a.m. in the morning asking them for food. They're like, I'm asleep. Why? What are you doing here? You're my friend, but sorry, I need to get my beauty sleep. But if you keep knocking, right? Dun, 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 dun. Give me some bread! 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 The friend is going to open the door and give you bread. Not because he's friends with you, but because he's annoyed. Right? That's what Jesus said. Because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So what Jesus is talking about here is pray annoyingly. Ask annoyingly. 
Be shameless in your audacity. Be rude, right? Because we think we don't want to impose on people, right? We don't want to be a burden to people. But I think what Jesus is saying is you can't be a burden to God. You can never impose on God. God wants to hear you. God has the capacity, the bandwidth, the time, the compassion, the ears to hear you. He's not going to grow tired or weary. So keep asking. Keep asking. Pray without ceasing. Pray over and over and over again. Because there's two good reasons for that. When we pray over and over again, audaciously, right? We begin to, uh, if we're still praying for the same thing a week from now that we started off, it means that's what you're praying for, right? It means you own it. Right? When I was, here's a story about relationships. You know, when I was a single young in my 20s, I asked girls out left and right, right? Shoot from the hips, boom, 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 boom. Right? And I'd be like, but I was different. I'd be like, I'm poetic. So I'd be like, I love you. I love you. You're the only person I've ever loved. And she's like, whatever. Right? No, really, I love you. And she's like, nah, nah. And she, maybe she kind of likes me, but she's like playing hard to get. So she's like, no, 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 no. I get tired, right? The next week, I'm like, this is taking too long. Here's another person. I love you. I love you. The problem is these two girls are talking. So they're like, did you say you loved my friend the other day? Why are you so what? You're so fickle, right? You're jumping around from person to person. When we pray unceasingly, when we pray over and over again, we begin to recognize and know and own what we really desire, what we're really praying for. And the things that don't really matter, we quit praying about. And then the second thing is, and it's related, when we pray without ceasing and pray annoyingly, we begin to grow character, right? And staying power. And we begin to understand the nature of intercession and prayer as being partners with God. Right? God can do whatever he wants, and he may do whatever he wants, but he wants to partner with us in his kingdom coming. If that weren't the case, why pray? If God could just do whatever he wanted, what's the purpose of prayer, right? He'd just do it. But God wants to do what he wants to do on the earth through people. He wants to do it through us, through his church. And so when we pray without ceasing over and over again, when we ask and ask, we are coming into line with God's purposes and mission in this world. Uh, I believe Jesus is giving the disciples a, a very simple liturgy, a simple litany, like, like these liturgies we repeat and say together. A small recitable prayer, not as the end-all, ultimate prayer, but as a starting point, a baby step towards Praying in the Holy Spirit. Um, we start somewhere and we start simply. 
Jesus cuts the prayer abruptly because it's not finished. We continue on, but we are given something to repeat, to meditate on until the inspired prayer momentum builds up in us. So the rest of the passage. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask, seek, knock. More, more, more process, more persistence. Keep asking, keep seeking, keep searching, keep, keep knocking and the door will be open to you. Your prayers will be answered. What you long for will be ring truer and truer, and they'll become more in line with, um, with God's heart. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though, you're not, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Because God is a good Father. God is a good Father. Everyone say, God is a good Father. God is a good Father. Amen. Even the worst of us will give good things to our children. Right? That's what Jesus is saying. Even evil people give good things to their children when they ask. So how much more will God give you? How much more will God want to give you? And here's, here's the loop in it, the Holy Spirit. Right? How much more will God give you the Holy Spirit if his children ask? And Luke is often, Luke and Acts, right? They're, they're together. They're written by the same person. And it's saturated with images and the presence of the Holy Spirit, right? Luke is like the Holy Spirit gospel writer. And so I think here it connects it all for me, right? If you ask, God will give you the Holy Spirit. What were the disciples asking in the first place? Teach us how to pray. And Jesus is responding, this is how you pray. You keep praying. And you keep asking because what you're really asking for, right, is to a prayer life that's led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. A life that's led by the Holy Spirit. If you want to pray like I pray, what you need is the Holy Spirit to empower you. That God, the Holy Spirit, actually intercedes on, on our behalf. When we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit is actually groaning. Right? Expressing prayers on our behalf to God when we don't know how to say what we want to say. Amen? And so the, the path for the disciples to learn what they're asking, teach us how to pray, is to become people touched by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit. Right? And to pray in the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, God is a good God. And he will grant you the gift of the Holy Spirit. He will give you what you're truly asking for. is life in the Holy Spirit. New life in the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit has the power to transform, to change, 
right? The Holy Spirit is God's power at work in the world, right? You want peace on earth, you want injustice, right, to be lifted, you want the poor to have food, you want the refugee to find place and home, and you look at the world and those in power and in control and you get so frustrated, like, this is messed up, and nothing we say or do as Christians makes any difference. There's prayer, the power of prayer. Everything that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for and was fighting for. You see things happen in our country and you're like, man, we took 10 steps back right there. Right? This is so discouraging. Pray. Be a people of prayer. Because the Holy Spirit is at work moving and changing. Do you believe this, church? Yeah. If you want, if you're like, man, going to church is so boring. It's so hard to have quiet times. It's so hard to pray. Christianity is so boring. I just would rather watch playoff football right now on Sunday morning. If you want more power in your life, pray and ask for the Spirit to empower you in your prayer life. Amen? Amen. You don't have to make epic prayers to start out. You don't have to be articulate, creative, or wordy, right? Just start with the baby steps. Just start with simple prayer. Make it a part of your daily routine and let God give you the power to pray. Let us pray. God, thank you so much for your word and thank you for your Holy Spirit and that, that this is a gift that you want to give to us, that you want to give to all your children who ask. And in the giving of your spirit, you empower us to pray and you make our words and our prayers even more powerful. Um, as we lift them up to you. Teach us how to pray, Lord. Teach us how to pray to be more like you. Not in fancy words or um, just new, new styles of prayer, but in being uh, empowered in the Holy Spirit. Um, help us to grow in our prayer life and help us to grow as a church in communal prayer in corporate prayer. In your name we pray. Amen.